Good evening, everyone. Uh, before I get into the the word tonight, just a brief update on our pursuit of the 40-acre parcel uh, for the potential house for the Lord in days to come. Uh, according to everything that we've received, either uh, via check or then just in pledges, basically in pledge form, we've actually, we're, we're overfunded. So, yeah, come on. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty cool. We've been praising the Lord for that, and uh, yeah, people have been saying, what's next? And we're like, you know, that's not how we, we don't really know. <laughs> so uh, we're just following the Lord, and, and we'll probably have uh, at some capacity. We still need, if you have pledged and you haven't given that pledge, we need that this week so that what's next is you close, you know, and sign all the papers and they say this actually belongs to you. So once it does belong to us, uh, we will probably have it some uh, over the fall, um, more of a, a formal vision cast. Uh, the nature of the real estate market puts these like really uh, cramped deadlines and that's why we've done things like trying to raise a million dollars in two weeks and we did it, come on. Um, but... Uh, uh, we're going to have the luxury of time going forward. So it's not going to be a rushed process. It's going to be uh, deliberate and thorough with the Lord and prayerful. So uh, as we kind of get through this real estate transaction, I think um, we'll start moving our, our gaze and our focus. And the Lord's been speaking to people already. Uh, even before we had announced this publicly, people had started having dreams and reaching out to me about uh, a parcel of land that the Lord was forming for himself. I get emotional. So um, it's already happening. This is the Lord's desire and we get to play a part in seeing what he's desiring over our region come to pass. And that's pretty cool. So uh, more to come and time to come, um, but that's really excited, exciting. Uh, if you made a pledge uh, or you're planning to give, uh, we're still receiving that and we need those pledges by this week. So anyways, uh, let's stand on our feet. I'm going to read uh, the word of the Lord. Out of Isaiah 61, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Yes. Yes, the whole chapter. We want lots of the word. We're said we're hungry. This is where we get fed. All right, this is Isaiah 61, starting with verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins, they will raise up former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers will stand and pasture your flock, and foreigners will be your farmers and vine dressers. But you will be called the priest of the Lord. You'll be spoken of as ministers of God. You will eat the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of shame, you'll have a double portion, and instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. They will possess a double portion in their land. 
Everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery in the burnt offering, and I will faithfully give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them will recognize them because they are the offspring whom the Lord has blessed. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord and my soul will exult in God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and a garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. That's the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Uh, I like doing the family service. Who likes the family service? Yeah, I love that we have the kids here, multi-generational. There's something different. You just notice it's different on the nights when we're all together. Uh, I love how the Lord works sometimes, and you know, specifically in generations and when the kids are over there. Uh, but nights like this are special. And uh, I, I'm just going to be full transparent with you all. I, I'm changing the plan that I thought was the Lord's plan that isn't the Lord's plan anymore, because uh, he told me. So uh, as a preacher, it's somewhat uh, vulnerable to get up and say, I just abandoned the plan, but I abandoned the plan. And I think I have an idea of what the Lord wants to talk about and what the Lord wants to do tonight. Uh, I try to always be very scripturally grounded when I'm preaching God's word, and it's a little vulnerable for me. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, well, when you don't give me the plan, I want to make sure that I'm preaching truth. So I just say that to say is, no matter what I say or what anybody says from this pulpit, we have a call to be like the Bereans who are taking things to the word of the Lord and discerning them with the Lord. We all have uh, a, a responsibility to spiritually appraise the word for ourselves, that spoken word according to the written word. So I just want to say that. Uh, I think that's important and we miss that sometimes, is there's a need to discern. So I'm going to preach the word tonight the best that I can, but I'm going to go off the plan. And uh, what, I, what I sense, we've been on this conversation about the priesthood. Say priesthood. You've been here for this? At least one of the times. I, I, I've, I've spoken twice. AJ spoke last week. Uh, I just, you know, just kind of spoiler alert. I'm going to stick on this topic for a long time. Like, I'm going to stick on this topic longer than I've ever stuck on any topic in the history of my ministry, which is about a decade now. And, and I honestly have a conviction in my heart that I'm going to spend about a year fully trying to communicate according to the gift God's given me in language that we can ascertain as a community so that we can not just get wooed by a message, but we can actually become a royal priesthood that the word of God communicates that we are. And we took this look back at Adam as this original prototype of a priest that fell with sin and Jesus redeemed and talked about how a priest walks in the inner garden with God, the spiritual communion and spiritual worship. And then there's an outer garden where Adam and Eve and relational intimacy were to be fruitful and multiply and cultivate the ground. And then there was the uncultivated land of Eden outside of the garden where they were going to turn uncultivated ground into cultivated ground. And it's this picture of what Jesus came to redeem in making a royal priesthood. He came as the last Adam that did away with the sin and the curse of sin so that he could redeem a people for God's 
for himself, a priesthood. And a priest is one who represents God. Say represent. A priest is a representer of God to the world. Meaning that a priest stands before God and represents creation to God. But then a priest turns and stands to creation and represents God to creation. This is Jesus. This is why he's a little upset with his disciples when they haven't gotten it. In John 14, he says, how can you say, show me the Father? I've shown you the Father. I'm the high priest. I've represented the Father to you. If you've seen me, you've seen him. This is Jesus modeling priestly language. Romans 8 says that the creation is groaning, it's travailing like a woman in labor that the sons, the daughters of God would be revealed in the earth. Why? Because God created creation to function with a priesthood operating as his representatives. So creation itself is groaning that the priesthood who gave away their priesthood through sin would be redeemed and awakened back to their identity as priest so that they could represent God to the created order and bring shalom. All is well. All is functioning according to the creative design of the creator. But from the beginning, God wanted co-laborers. Say co-laborers. He didn't want this subservient thing where it was like all these peons doing his, his work. He wanted partners. He wanted a priesthood. That's why he made us. So this priesthood is not this religious vocation where you wear a clerical collar or you preach on Sundays. A priest is something that God, it predates religious, religion, it predates religious form, it predates titles. The priest was the vocation of Adam. It was what God created, the, the whole cosmos to function, then he made humanity a priesthood. Do I need to say this again? slower it's okay like this we're going to take time on this because we're, we're speaking about this is a core identity of humanity is that we are priests and and god is is working we looked at this two, two three weeks ago where in the garden after the fall God speaks this word and he speaks to the serpent and says you know cursed are you he speaks to Adam and Eve, and they both have a curse because of their sin. But he speaks to the woman and says, you know, there's going to be enmity. There's going to be strife. There's going to be conflict between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. The, the seed of the serpent is going to bruise the heel of the woman's seed, but the, the seed of the woman is going to strike the serpent on the head. So there's going to be a wounding to the seed of the woman, but there's going to be a death blow to the seed of the serpent. And this, in the beginnings, prophesying of the Christ who is to come, of the last Adam, of Jesus, who is going to redeem the vocation of man so that we could come back into the inner garden with God and actually have communion again so that we could represent him. Right? We talked about two weeks ago how priest, the, the rhythm of the priesthood is what? Oh my gosh. Behold and imitate. Behold and imitate. Behold and imitate. Behold and imitate. This 
in, in the midst of that rhythm is where humans find fulfillment. Behold and imitate. Become enamored and in awe with what he's like and then go and be like him. Become in awe and then be like him. And this is true in what we do on a Sunday night in church where we're beholding him through spiritual worship. But this is true when we're beholding him in his relational brilliance. And he created relationship, he created intimacy, he created marriage. We behold and we imitate. This is true in the way that we work with the creation itself. We, we, we call this labor or work or jobs. We behold and then we imitate. He is the source of all human innovation. He's, he's, we corrupt it, but every pure seed of creativity comes from him. He is the creator. So whatever job you're in, behold and become in awe of how brilliantly wonderful he is and then imitate. Priests are ones who behold and imitate. It has nothing to do with church or religion. Okay? I'm just going to trust that that's settling. <laughs> and I'm going to dare to step on it <laughs> and talk some more. But I, I kind of feel like those mats you put on a pool, you know? That's... Kind of what I feel like I'm stepping on right now. Like, is this going to hold? If it doesn't, you'll just have to listen to the messages. And again, I'm going to spend a long time. I have a conviction I'm going to spend a year on this. So that this will sink deep, deep, deep into us. And that it will become, we will become a priesthood. We will become a people who are cultivators. We'll become a people that recognize I'm equipped by God to turn the world that I've been given into an Eden into a place that looks like heaven. Where is this in the scripture? How should we pray, Jesus? Pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Behold him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer needs a priest. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Imitate. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He, he's every God is. We say, why is there evil in the world? Why is there so much incompletion to the redemption story of God? Because Jesus came to redeem a priesthood, not to take our place and do everything for us. Like God is, he, he creates sometimes in the space, like he doesn't do it all. He, he created to a point, but then he Sabbathed on the seventh day and, and took a step back and created space for the priest. He said, now it's in your domain. I'm giving it to you. And Adam gave it to the devil, but Jesus took it back. And we see this in the wilderness in Luke 4. He says, worship me and I'll give you the keys to every kingdom. Because Adam had forfeited them. Jesus said, no, I'm not going to worship you. And I'm not going to take it this way. I'm going to go to the cross and then I'm going to march into hell and I'm going to render you defeated and I'm going to take the keys back from you by force. So this is why Jesus comes to John in Patmos in Revelation and says, behold, I'm the one who was dead 
but I'm alive forevermore, and I hold the keys. He holds the keys. So we have a high priest who has the keys. We have a high priest who came and was a man. He's a man. He's the last Adam. He came in the form of us to redeem the priesthood. Say priesthood. Jesus came to redeem your vocation in life. He came to redeem and make a way so that you could behold and imitate God and there find the purpose for your existence. See, we almost have a fear. Well, can I really trust God? Like, am I going to lose? My no, no, no. You won't lose yourself in this. That's that last song. All my life for your glory. The flesh cringes at that because it says, well, that's, I'm going to lose myself. No, you will lose your life, but you'll lose the dead life to the flesh that you don't want. You'll find your life becoming his priest who beholds and imitates becomes a part of his story because he made you to find fulfillment in his story because he made you to be a priest. He made you. He, he's, he's created this whole thing with you in mind. This is amazing. This is such a good introduction of the last two messages I've preached. This isn't new. This is the same thing. I'm just saying it again. All right, where do I want to... This is what I want to I build on tonight. Is that what God... Between us and becoming a priesthood that I'm talking about, there's a ditch. Say ditch. Because ever fallen into a ditch? I fell in a ditch one time. I was teepee in my friend's house. So I'm floating Feather Road in Eagle. There's this huge ditch. But I was teeping the house, and my, my friend's dad came out and started screaming my name, said, get your back here, Jordan Verner. And I got so scared, I turned, just jumped into the ditch. That thing was probably eight feet deep. I thought I was going to break my ankles. You don't want to fall into a ditch. It doesn't feel good, right? But there is a ditch. Say ditch. There's a ditch between us and a priestly identity. And, and if I were to describe what that ditch is, it's self. Say self. Self. Self stands in the way between us and the life that we were created for. The life that we're longing for. Self. The flesh nature. The selfish, self-serving, turned inward nature that wants to pervert and twist everything to me. This is the biggest barrier I see in the church between the church and learning how to worship is self. So the idea, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything condemning. I'm just making statements of what I have witnessed over the years is to, to start talking about ministering under the Lord through song. You have to get over self because it has nothing to do with us. <laughs> And that doesn't necessarily provoke a bunch of desire. Like, that sounds so fun. Like, let's go and do something that has nothing to do with me. Intercession. The, what lies between us and true intercession, which is when you step in the gap and you get Jesus' heart for someone else. And sometimes you can get that for someone that you care about, so you are attached to that. But true intercession is that you could get Jesus' heart for what Jesus desires. So the example would be like Israel. Jesus loves Israel, right? God loves Israel. When God looks at modern Israel, he sees Abraham. He sees his people. He sees his firstborn. You and I might not have a heart for Israel because we live in America, but to get to a place of intercession where I could pray with God's heart for God's people that really doesn't affect me, I have to get over self. 
Um, generosity and tithing. I think a lot of people have tried to create theological systems for why tithing and why giving will benefit you. Because they're trying to appeal to the flesh. How can we motivate the flesh to give? That's not the heart. That's not the heart of the scripture. It's just like you give because it's actually giving that makes you like him. It's, it's actually not about you. It's not so that God will bless you. It's not so that... Now, now God often does because he'll give to you what he can get through you. But it's not like this boomerang, you know. I, I actually cringe whenever I hear the boomerang testimonies before a giving pledge. You know, I gave $10,000, the next day 30000 came in. I hate that. Because that's, that's, that's not the spirit. That's, that's allowing self to still function in that. So there's a ditch between us and a priestly life in itself. This is true. What we just sang was a song. It was, it was a song of the spirit. It was not a song of self. Put me anywhere, just let me see your glory. I'll serve anywhere, just make me a part of your story. It's one thing to sing it, it's a whole lot of different to live it. I wonder how many people have sang that song and their spirit's making agreement with God and then God puts them in places that their flesh doesn't want to be and they start complaining. Is God messing with us? Is God a killjoy? Is God trying to, to steal? Is he trying to withhold from us? This is the temptation of the garden. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat that? Because he knows that when you eat that, it's actually going to be better. Right? There's this constant assault. And the assault of Satan comes through the flesh. The the, the enemy works through paradigms, mental thoughts, arguments that are raised in knowledge against, lofty against the knowledge of God. Right? So he works, but what he's appealing to is not our spirit. Our spirit has nothing, it doesn't want anything to do with that. Our spirit, when we're born again, is recreated into the image of Jesus. There is a, a royal priest, a, a true identity from God that is bestowed in the inner man. Say inner man. Right? But here's, here's the thing. The flesh still lives. There's an outer man. There's, there's a flesh nature because the soul, the body, the mind has been deformed. Say deformed by life. The soul, the desires, the minds, the, right? We, like sometimes I look, I'm so, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed by God that I get to be a father now because I have the most innocent, pure, little being in my arms all the time that knows nothing about life. And it's a little daunting because I'm like, I'm going to teach her <laughs> everything about life and I hope it's good. You know, but like, I'm like, wow, she is just going to be formed through life. She's going to get her understanding of life from life in a lot of ways, unless I can model and teach her a way to connect with God. And, and my hope is that with the greatest purity possible, I can create an environment where she starts getting deeply attached to the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of God starts forming and shaping her from the inside out. Say inside out. 
right? But I'm, I'm going to give her something that I didn't even have. It's going to be better. Like, this is, I think, part of generational blessing is that bl- generation after generation, we're learning more and becoming more like God so that we can actually pass that on in the formation process to our children, spiritual children, natural children, right? But everybody is formed by life. Say formed by life. Everybody has spiritual formation. And the reality is, is if I got saved at 35, I've been formed. I've had spiritual formation for 35 years, usually from an outside-in paradigm where I've been influenced by the world, which has cultivated a fleshly desire that the enemy is just feasting on, right? Because the three enemies of the soul are the devil, the flesh, and the world. The devil is the originator of lies and thought patterns that are accusatory and against the way of God. The flesh is the nature that feasts upon those lies, and it's the desires that grow within us towards other things. And then the world is just what a bunch of people living in the flesh create. It's the cultural system. So we are living in Babylon. We're not living in a nation under God. We are living in a Babylon in this country. I am not a doom and gloom. I believe God has purposes for this nation. I believe there's a remnant that he is working in, but we are in a Babylon, which is a very broken, fallen culture that's predominantly being shaped by fleshly desires. So we're swimming in a world of all these fleshly desires. Then we come to church for like two hours on Sunday, and we're getting good news that there's a different way. But then we go back out, and we're swimming in this flesh-dominated thing that's provoking desires. Is anybody else living in the same world as me? Sometimes I wish I could just destroy the pulpit and stand before you, not as some religious man who has a title called pastor, but just a human being who's walking life, and I'm trying to walk intentional, because this was never my desire to become some pastor person. I just am trying to be faithful to what God has done in me, and the gift that he's given in me, and my beholding and imitating of him, right? But we're all living in the same world. My, I find the same desires provoked in me for things and materialism and stuff. And I feel like I'm constantly in a war living in this world. And I'm searching to how to be faithful to this priestly vocation of behold and imitate so that my life doesn't look like Babylon, but it looks like Eden. It looks like the kingdom of heaven. All right, so what am I getting at here? There is conflict in the soul because we have an enemy that wages wars against the soul. And for us to cross the ditch of self and to become a priest, right, we, have to, we have to cross this. Because a priesthood, a priestly people, we're not living our lives anymore. We're living his life. And this is the thing. You can tell that a community has, be, has stepped into an identity in God. They are living out of their spiritual identity in Christ because they will do things corporately that don't make sense in the sense that they will engage in activities that the flesh thinks are blah. What am I talking about? Like practically, I believe that God wants a, a temple in this valley. That's why I think he's given us this land. I think he wants a house of prayer. He wants a place where the presence of God is it's known in a region that you can go to that house, that temple, and you can find God in that place. And then out of that, I think he wants to birth house, house churches, where there's houses all across the region where people can go and be known and seen and find healing in neighborhoods and all these different places. That's why I think he wants River House. If I'm honest with you, that's not the vision that I started a ministry with. I actually, it's his vision. 
And he doesn't just want the house. He wants the people that will cultivate that. He wants the people that will give of themselves to steward his presence and then to offer themselves to open up their hearts and their lives to be a space where healing and transformation can happen at the, at the house level, intimate level, at the temple level. There's a ditch to cross if we're going to get there. Because I think we're, this is the call of River House. That's the River House. That's River House. It's a temple that then births houses. It's a house of God that's going to change every other house of anybody that steps into that house. When you step into that house, your house will change. You step into the house of God, your house will become a house of God. You step into His presence, your life becomes about His presence. You behold Him, you imitate Him. You behold, you imitate. It's kind of beautiful. River house, we're going to be a house of prayer and house churches. It's kind of amazing. But there's a ditch. There's a ditch. There's all kinds of ditches. And it's the flesh. Well, what about me? What about, what about my standing? What about am I a leader? What about my, like there's all this stuff. There's conflicts in the church. You think I don't hear things? I hear things. People talk. People leave. People get upset. I hear it. I hear all types of fleshly conversations that are opposed against what God is wanting to do in the midst of a people. Because we got to get over it. we got to cross the ditch of self. If we're going to truly be a worshiping community, we have to get over self. If we're going to be a, a generous people, not just with money, but our times, our life, everything, we got to get over self. If we're going to learn to love prayer, you have to get over self. Honestly, this, this is what opposes the, the, the life of God and his people. It's the self. Let me just give you scripture that backs up what I'm telling you right now. This is Galatians 5. You can turn there if you'd like. 5.16. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, things like these, of which I forewarn you and I forewarn you again. Those who practice these things won't inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, or envying one another. There's this... There's conflict. Say conflict. We're in conflict until the conflict ends. And when the conflict ends, I think life begins. When the spirit really has its way, there is pleasure, right? This is like the beautiful thing. There is a pleasure. Your spirit loves giving everything to Jesus. Your spirit would want nothing more than to worship and adore him and magnify him throughout your whole life. Your spirit 
it's 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 recreated it's it's like a new species that never existed again in Christ Jesus that is inside of you longing to express itself as a life of worship to God, a life that beholds and imitates. This, this whole behold, imitate thing is intuitively in you. It is woven into you if you're a new creation in Christ. At the deepest level possible, it is who you are. You don't have to try to become it. It is who you are. It's just learning to let it out. This, this is what I think the Lord wants to do tonight, and then we're going to be done, because kids are here, and I got a year on this topic anyway, so... I'm hoping this is stimulating thought because repentance charges transformation, but I want to bring you to to a place. I just want to bring awareness to something that I I just feel. Jackie was up early in the night, the Lord's speaking to her. It just sparked some thoughts in me, and I just really feel like this is what the Lord's doing, is what God is after in the Christian is not the transformation of behavior. It's the transformation of desire. He wants us to live by spiritual desire and not by the desires of the flesh. He can so transform us that what we will long to do would not seem desirous to us, maybe even sitting here today. Like, he has changed me where I desire things in the Lord. And again, not Pastor Jordan. Jordan, Werner, human being, just like you. I desire God in ways I never desired him. I found pleasure in God. I found such pleasure in doing things that 10 years ago I would have vomited saying that's my life. And, and I'm still working this out. There's still a working out, but there was a, a finalization of some things. Like there's a, when there's demarcation that takes place. But this is what I want to, this is what I want to talk about is there are, there's generational bondages. There's generational strongholds. There's things that in the same way, the Lord says, I will bless a righteous man to a thousandth generation, but the sins of a father will pass to the third and the fourth generation, right? What is God speaking? I think he is just communicating the consequences of sin. Why? Because if I have, you know, there's, there's sin, say sin, and then there's iniquity. Say iniquity. Sin, I've heard defined, and I like this. It's, it's volition. It's what we are doing. I'm willfully sinning. I'm looking at what I shouldn't look at. I'm doing what I shouldn't do. But then there's iniquity, which is the effects of other people's sins that are inherited generationally in my life. Right? The example would be as if you were raised in the home of an addict. There are things that happened to you that shouldn't have happened to you. There are things that should have happened to you that didn't happen to you. Because addiction was in the place that that you should have been in. There's no awareness of the inner life of a child when you're busy managing an addiction. So there's an iniquitous situation. There's an iniquitous inheritance that takes place in a home where addiction is rampant. And and that's one example of thousands, right? So sin creates these iniquitous environments where there is depravity, right? And where where are we getting formed as humans? Life. Life. And so there's life's forming us from the outside in, and our soul has these deformations where it desires things it shouldn't, where it started to turn to places it shouldn't, because we're just trying to survive our way through the world. 
This is how generational strongholds form. It passes generation to generation. And unfortunately, what happens is what walks in the parents will run in the children. And what walks in the children will run in the great. So there's a, there's a, there's a building. It's not just, doesn't just pass. It passes and it grows. Which is actually a blessing for a royal priesthood. Because it goes the same way in the spirit. That what I will fight my life to walk in, my children will run in without even sweating. This is the picture. This is how we're going to turn. This is, say, how can we turn a city? How could we turn a region to actually look like heaven? By sowing the seed. By, by stepping into identity, to awakening, to crossing the ditch of self and stepping into who I am and living a life of a royal priest. That's how. Because three generations from now, I promise you, it's a whole lot more beautiful than what you and I can imagine. We're a royal priest. The implications of our life are profoundly powerful. Right, so I read Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, we'd be, Jesus came as the anointed one, the royal priest, so that he could raise up a priesthood. They'd be known as the priest of the Lord, the ministers of, the God, of God. They would create relational, they would, they would, have spiritual worship, the last verse, a bride and a bridegroom, there'd be this adorning, this rejoicing in the Lord. There'd be relational fruitfulness. Your children will be known amongst the nations as those whom the Lord has blessed. Who's claiming that for your children? Your children, the offspring, the fruitfulness of your relationships will be known amongst the nations. People will look and behold and say, those are people favored by the Lord Most High relational fruitfulness, and they will restore the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Actual physical redemption. I think that looks like crime rates and poverty and addiction and all the things that are broken in the world. God wants his priesthood. When we just believe who we are, we'll shift, we'll change. This is Isaiah 61. But what's between us and stepping into that often? That Crossing the ditch is both a experience and a process. Say experience. experience. Say process. process. It's both an experience and a process. What I want to talk about tonight is an experience. And there's an experience of freedom that the Lord brings to life. And I just want to give you a quick little, for those of you that don't know, this is a quick testimony that I, I want you to see tonight that you are more powerful than you realize. That the implications of the decisions that you are capable of making in your will, of your own volition, what you can choose to do, has the power to change everything. When I was 17 years old, I was living a life completely absorbed with self. So absorbed with self, I was suffocating. And everything looked really, really pretty on the outside. In one moment, I had an encounter with the Lord. He opened my eyes and I saw my life consumed with self. I was an all-state athlete. I had, I had colleges reaching out for scholarships. I was a, I had every, every, there was nothing wrong on the outside. But in one moment, the face of God shone on me and I saw my life and it was so hideous. I started screaming, I, I, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. Don't let me live that life. Don't let me live the life. I didn't even have words, but I was screaming, don't let me live the life of the flesh. Please don't. It was something, my spirit woke up 
and I saw somehow so far beyond what I ever could have imagined. I saw something beyond over the ditch of self. You say, wow, Jordan, that's amazing. No, it's amazing, but it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me because what I didn't know was within a month before that, my mother made a decision because she saw the, the iniquity, she saw the brokenness, she saw the flesh, and she went before the Lord, and she made covenant with God and said, God, I want to see freedom in my family. She made a decision, she, I'll cross the ditch, I'll say yes to you, I'll give you my life, if you will come and, and liberate my family, if you'll, if you'll change the story this broken story I see playing out. How, how many people have seen a broken story playing out in your life or in your family or in your world? She made a decision. She made a decision. She stood before God as a priest and said, this is what I'm going to do. And within one month, I had an encounter that changed everything. Now, was that the end? No, that was the beginning of the beginning. But I watched that encounter with my life, a decision an encounter, and now I've watched for the last 15 years, I've watched a story unfold that I would have wanted nothing to do with if I would have seen it when I was 17. I'm just being honest with you. The life I'm living isn't the life that I dreamed. My flesh has had to die on the process, but the Lord for three years, took me uh, about five years, on a journey of breaking the generational stronghold in my life. What did that look like? When on January 31st of 2010, I met God on a mountaintop first thing in the morning. It was the morning dawn was shining. It was the Southern California mountain range. And the Lord spoke to me. It was one of the most intimate moments I've had with the Lord. And he looked at me and he said, Jordan, I'm going to take you to a high place. I'm going to take you to a broad place. He said, but you need to listen to me. I said, what, Lord? He said, you are full of fear. He said, you're full of fear and you are, you're, you're, you're scared of what's in the closet and you're scared. And he said, you need to go and you need to face all your fear. He said, you need to turn over every stone. You need to open every closet door. He said, wherever you see fear in your life, I'm there, but you need to face it. I came back home and I didn't quite know what to do with that. It was like this most loving rebuke I'd ever heard. It's like full of God's glory. And he says, I'm full of fear. And the next day I walked into a, I was a freshman in college at the time. I walked into this psychology class and they were playing the Lion King. I was late to the class. So I sat down. I don't even, I don't even know the context. I don't know why they were showing it. And I walk in and it's Simba sitting there at the pond. And, you know, Mufasa comes. You've forgotten me. He says, no, I have not. He says, Simba, you've forgotten me. And I'm not kidding you. It was as if God himself was piercing my soul. And he said, I didn't forget you. And I'm sitting there going, no, I haven't forgotten you. He says, you've forgotten who you are. And so you've forgotten me. You need to go back and face your fears, face those hyenas and discover your identity, your inheritance. And something gripped me that day that I cannot describe to you, but I, all I know is that in my, my, my spirit received this edification that I knew that I knew that I knew that if I crossed that ditch, it would be worth it. 
that if I paid the price, that if I gave my faith to God, that he actually is who he says he is, that he would do more than what I thought he could do. And I said, okay. And it was not a very easy process. I'm not going to glamorize it. It was long and hard, and I'd say in some ways I'm still walking the process, but there were profound moments. I shared a couple of them. There were some profound moments that, that empowered my spirit to jump across the ditch and to start moving in the other direction and say, I'm not going to settle for what the flesh wants to feed me. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. And, but it was, there was a change of desire in the inner place. Ephesians 4. Sorry, Ephesians 3. This is Paul's prayer to the Ephesians church, which was the leading church in the Mediterranean world. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that being rooted and grounded in love, you could begin to comprehend with all the saints what's the depth and the length and the width and the height of this love, and to know experientially this love, that you could be filled with the fullness of God. What's he praying? Don't settle for anything less than what Jesus shed his blood for, Ephesus. I pray that the Spirit of God would come and in, in, empower you. He would edify your spirit so that your spirit would begin to rise up and put to death the things of the flesh and that you would begin to step across that ditch into places that you didn't know you had the courage to go. But go there, Ephesus, because the world's waiting to see the glory of Christ. To him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything you ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forevermore. Come on. I believe tonight there's some of you that you're sitting here. I don't even feel like this is the best sermon in the world on all of this. But there's something that God wants to break. And he wants to strengthen you with power in your inner man. So that your spirit can begin to rise up. That your spirit can receive edification. A supernatural strengthening that will guide you into the journey of the fullness of God. Into the awakening of what it means to royal peace. Pass the ditch of self so that you can begin to actually become like God and get the heart of God because that is what your spirit was created for. But the spirit at salvation, it's seed form. And the more we feed the spirit, the spirit starts to edify. And there's a hard wall of the outer man of the flesh that is resistance. But the spirit gets so strengthened inside of us that it begins to break through the outer wall, break through the flesh. Can you imagine a church where the flesh is crucified. No factions, no dissensions, no envy, no drunkenness, no broken, none of all this stuff, but a royal priesthood of a community that is on a mission to transform a region. That's the gospel. So if you need, I just, you know, maybe, I don't know, come play the keys or something. If I know kids might be rambunctious at this point, 
the Holy Spirit's not going to like get scared away. If you need to take him to the bathroom, if you need to get up and go. But if you need freedom tonight, I just feel like God wants to quicken the spirit. He wants to edify the spirit. He wants to raise that inner man up tonight in fulfillment of this Ephesians 3 prayer. And if you need that, I just want you to stand on your feet right now. Maybe we can dim the lights. I just feel there's some that specifically there's generational brokenness there's there's things like deep insecurity because of things that happened to you or didn't happen to you and and addiction or even desires for sins or desire for certain things that you haven't been able to shake and there's just there's th like that is not your portion it's not your inheritance. And if you want freedom tonight, and you know, I just feel like there's some that you may even want to come forward. And I'm going to have the ministry team. They're just going to float around. They're going to, they're going to pray for people. But if, if you want to be ministered to, you can come to the altar tonight. You can stay at your seat. But I, I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray right out of Scripture. It's not a prayer. This is the heart of Jesus, the high priest. Lord, I pray tonight over River House Church, God. I bow my knees before the Father, before every family, including this one, derives its name. And I ask, Father, that you would grant us, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in the inner man. I pray that right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for the power of God to come right now. Holy Spirit, that you will begin to empower the spirit, the inner man, the inner being of your people, God. I speak to Riverhouse Church. I speak to this priesthood in the, the, the making, God, this, this awakening journey. I speak to it right now. I speak to this royal priesthood. And I say, Holy Spirit, strengthen with power. Strengthen with power. Strengthen with power. God, I pray for a release of your glory. God, according to the riches of your glory, that the presence of God will begin to overwhelm us in the spiritual level. At the spiritual level, God. That there will be a breaking free tonight, God. I come against every chain, every bondage, every iniquitous inheritance, every lie of the enemy, God, every perverted inner world and inner thought and paradigm. And I pray, Lord, that by your Spirit tonight, there will be freedom in the house of God. I pray for an awakening of identity in this place, God, that power will begin to surge from within, Lord, that we do not need outer things or accolades or titles to live a life of power. We have been equipped with power by your Spirit in the inner man. Change desires tonight, God. Change desires. 
Yeah, just respond. I feel there's resistance for some. I want you, if you feel resistance, I want you to just come forward and just humble yourself before the Lord and kneel. Lord, I thank you that you are changing desires tonight. Lord, you are after the transformation of desire, God, that you have the power to change us from the inside out, Lord. The worst that the world could ever do was outside in. You have the power to change us from the inside out. Lord, so I say, Holy Spirit, rise up in your church and reform what has been deformed by the brokenness of life. Reform by your Spirit, God, what has been distorted by the brokenness of life. I thank you that the same power that resurrected the Lord Jesus from the dead is alive in your church. And we ask for resurrection power to restore new life into your people tonight, God. Awaken your priesthood, Jesus. Awaken your people. We plead the blood of the Lamb. It is all by your blood, Lord. We plead the blood of the Lamb from the youngest to the oldest. God, we plead the blood of Lamb over this house. Lord, and we bless, we bless your people. I bless this priesthood. God, I thank you that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation, a people for your own possession. Lord, I pray for an awakening tonight, a hunger and thirst for prayer. Lord, a spiritual desire to seek you in the Spirit. God, I pray that you will open the Word of God by your Spirit. God, I pray for shifts in marriages by your Spirit. God, I pray for the transformation of desires by your Spirit. I pray for changed relationship with finances by your Spirit. I pray, Lord, for relational restoration by your Spirit. God, I thank you that you've given us seed to sow, but it's in the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. And I bless what you're doing, God. I release freedom into this house, God. Not a freedom to do what we want, but a freedom to live the life that you created us for. A freedom to walk by the Spirit and put the deeds of the flesh to death. Come and have your way, God. Come and have your way, God. Come and have your people tonight in this house, we pray. Yeah, we're just, we're going to minister. The team's going to minister. The, Beck is going to minister and you're blessed to leave, but we're going to just let the Spirit of God have His way and you can bring your kids and if they're loud, that's okay. Holy Spirit's at work and if He's working, just, just lean in to what He's doing. Lean into what he's doing tonight. And you can linger as long as you'd like. Thank you, God, that your power is in this room. Break every chain. 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 There's someone, heroin. There was heroin was introduced into your life, either by someone, a parent or a sibling. I see the Lord is restoring something. There's been like a I don't know, I see extreme vacillations, fed extreme emotional roller coaster swings. And it all had something to do with the relationship with heroin. I just thank you, Lord, that your blood breaks the yoke. Your anointing breaks the yoke, God. Come and break the yoke by the anointing of your spirit tonight, God. 
release uh, just a word Mike's one of our revival group house church pastors and a deacon in the church so I'm just gonna have a release with the Spirit of God speaking to him yeah as Jordan was sharing I saw I saw the father release angels and what I saw angels imparting and speaking into this house and into the people here was going into our spirits and speaking to our past saying make way and as the angels spoke into our past I saw the blood of Jesus following those words saying make way and those iniquities that Jordan talked about are being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Generational curses, generational iniquities, sins of our past, sins of our forefathers, sins of our grandparents, generations are being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And then what I saw was us in our spirit, man, standing as we watch our generational lines being purified and our hearts crying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And I saw the blood of Jesus move into our futures, making way as pure sons and daughters, as pure priests as pure brides the iniquities of our past are being purified our futures are being purified it is up to us to move in the direction of the blood of Jesus he's moving into our future so receive receive Yeah, so just just cry Maranatha. If you're if you're just it's just it's just saying, Come Lord Jesus, you came, you're coming, so come. You came, Jesus, you're coming again, so come. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. 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 Come, come here. Come for your people. Come. Maranatha. 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 